Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 23, An Unfortunate Confession Zack awoke with a start in his hotel room in Cundinamarca, Colombia. His joints ached, the inside of his mouth had the texture of sandpaper, and it felt as though someone was lightly but persistently tapping nails into his temples. The room was dark, although a thin slither of light intruded via a skewed vertical blind. He rolled towards the centre of the bed and found that he was alone. He had not fallen asleep in this condition. He distinctly remembered, drifting off with a curvaceous local. Maria? Was that her name? No, Marcia. Marcia the dance instructor and history student. Or was it politics? Evidently, she was gone now and he supposed it didn't matter. Why she'd disappeared so abruptly, however, he had no clue. With the amount he remembered drinking, there was every chance he'd done something to upset her. Perhaps she had a boyfriend, he thought. Or she was simply needed at work. It was also possible that she was so ashamed of their encounter that she'd fled like a frightened animal the second she'd regained her senses. Zack forced his aching head from the pillow and sat up looking around the semi-lit and disordered room. On the dresser was an empty bottle of Café Patron, three mostly empty bottles of champagne and a half-empty bottle of some brightly coloured liqueur he didn't recognise. The sight of this made his stomach lurch. He began to piece together what he could remember before he'd passed out. The show was a huge hit, he recalled. The crowd was electric. After his closing song, he'd returned to the stage for the longest encore of the tour so far. The rest of the details were incredibly hazy. He wasn't sure who'd introduced him to Marcia, though in sporadic flashes like intermittent lightning strikes, he was reminded of snippets of conversation and rough lovemaking, although he was certain he shouldn't refer to it as such. He remembered offering her a line of cocaine and her intense aversion to the idea. Fine, it said, and he too had abstained. This was a small victory, he supposed. It signified that he hadn't consumed any since the fated festival in England over a week ago. You come all the way to Colombia and you don't even sample the ways, he considered, tutting to himself. After a brief spell in a prison cell the morning of the festival incident and the cancellation of his Newcastle show, the preceding dates in South America had all gone to plan. Even exceeding expectations and producing favourable responses from the media he was happy to learn. Despite the rotten hangover and the discovery that his voluptuous one-night stand had fled without leaving so much as a note, he conceded that life, although still empty and loveless, was good again. Zack now had two days off to recover before returning for the second leg of his North American outing. He needed coffee and painkillers, he decided, and was delighted to discover that his dresser was equipped with both. A pack of paracetamol was resting on top of the coffee machine. After swallowing three tablets with a large cup of strong black coffee, he searched for the pair of jeans he'd worn last night, finding them discarded on the floor with his smartphone, thankfully still in the pocket. As usual, he was met with a bombardment of notifications when he unlocked the screen. There were several missed calls and messages from Tom and Val. 
Tackling the messages in order of perceived importance, he opened the ones from Tom first. Find me when you get up, was the first received, followed by, are you up yet? And finally, we need to talk ASAP. Seems urgent, Zack muttered, rolling his eyes. He chose to ignore the messages from Val. Tom was in the room next door. Seeing as one text instructed Zack to find his manager rather than call him, he threw on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, fearing his tour logo, and did exactly that. Snatching his keycard from the slot next to the door, he walked out into the hall and tried to recall if it was the room to his right or left. Left, he distinctly remembered. He rhythmically tapped the door with his knuckles. Housekeeping, he yelled in a high-pitched attempt at a South American accent. No more than a few seconds later, Tom opened the door, looking far from amused. Bloody hell, mate, what's wrong with your mug? Zack asked. Just come in and sit down, Tom grunted. Tom's room was half the size of Zack's and substantially more ordered. A laptop was open on the desk next to a steaming cup of coffee. Tom turned the chair around, perched on the edge of it and signalled for Zack to sit on the bed opposite him. Man, I thought I looked rough. Bad night's sleep? Yes, actually, Tom snapped. His eyes were puffy and bloodshot and the youthful energy he usually exuded seemed somehow absent. Christ, pal, Zack frowned. Have you been crying? Tom seemed affronted by the suggestion. I, no, shut up. Just shut up and listen, okay? Zack wasn't used to his friend talking to him this way. He was so taken aback that he didn't even object. All right, shutting up, listening. How do you see our relationship, Zack? Zack raised an eyebrow. Our relationship, he repeated. Is this your time of the month or something? Tom glared at him so forcibly that Zack raised his hands in half surrender. Whoa, just a joke, mate. Tom stayed silent, so Zack felt obliged to answer the seemingly ridiculous question. We're pals, aren't we? I mean, I'm technically your boss, but I always thought we were pals. What? Good, Tom interrupted. I had hoped that'd be your answer, because for some insane reason I've always thought so too. Professional association aside, I was under the assumption that we were friends. Course, Zack said. You're my right-hand man. Right then, with that settled, I just need to ask what the hell have I ever done to you? What do you mean? Nothing. You're a good lad. All right, so why then? Why do you think it's okay to screw me over? Screw you over? Now Zack was the one glaring, although his had more of a squint. What on earth are you talking about? I think you know. I'm quite sure I don't. You don't? You don't recall me telling you about a girl I've been quite serious with? You know her too, actually. A bit better than I realised I discovered last night. Oh, Zack said, pursing his lips. She told you about that? She did. Listen, mate, you need to know that at the time I had no idea the two of you were even a thing. I find that incredibly difficult to believe. It's true. It just kind of happened. It was when you got busted for possession in London, she was beside herself and we just... Please, Tom flared, spare me the details. Okay, but I'm telling the truth. I literally had no idea and then afterwards she started blubbering and let it all out. Before that, I literally... What? 
precisely is it that's wrong with you? Huh? What kind of brain trauma did you sustain to go around behaving the way you do and thinking it's okay? Look, mate. No, you look, Tom bellowed. You walking cliché, you cartoonist impression of what a rock star is supposed to be. God, you're a caricature of what a goddamn Australian is supposed to be. Zach could tell the young man wanted to vent, so he just let him continue. You saunter round with that giant blown-up head of yours. Tom broke off into a pretty spot-on impersonation of his boss. G'day, mate. Mind if I do a line? Fair dinkum. Mind if I knob your bird? Champion. Zack was torn between smirking and frowning. He settled on the latter. Now, hang on a minute. No, let me get a goddamn word in. I'll even humour the fact that you didn't know I was seeing Val, that you're so self-absorbed, so lost in Zack world, that you somehow didn't know what was going on right in front of you. But just tell me, is there seriously nothing at all that's sacred to you? Is there no line you won't cross to satisfy your own selfish desires? Zack looked away. Mate, I'm sorry. I felt terrible afterwards. The second I found out, I felt so bad I paid an absolute fortune to fly Simon over and bail you out. Tom's eyes widened. Oh, so that's what that was. I did wonder. Zack bit his lip, certain he'd said the wrong thing. See, I assumed it was because you felt bad for sending me out to be your drug mule. Turns out it was because you'd slept with my girlfriend as well. I mean, I felt bad about the other thing too. Zack's usual bravado had melted away. He looked like a guilty schoolboy called to his headmaster's office. Tom slumped back in his chair. So you say you felt bad, you found out, and you felt terrible? I did. Then why didn't you tell me? Huh? Tom raised his voice for the second time. Why didn't you tell me? You made me go to that horrific festival with you. On the way there, you let me waffle on about how in love I was and you didn't think to say anything. I just didn't think it'd do any good. She, we, agreed that it was a mistake and you didn't need to know. Zack massaged his throbbing temples and slid his hands down his cheeks. I'm sorry, mate. I was out of line. He paused. And you know how hard it is for me to admit when I'm in the wrong... Oh, I see. So I should be grateful, should I, just to get an apology? Look, just tell me how I can make it up to you. Zack winced involuntarily as the words came out of his mouth. This kind of submissive grovelling was not in his wheelhouse. It felt wholly unnatural. Tom breathed deeply. He turned to the wall and shook his head. You can start by getting out of my room. I don't want to see you right now. Come on, man. Zack's bright green eyes were pleading. What he found most surprising was that he actually did feel awful about the situation. The stabbing guilty felt rivalled the physical effects of his hangover. Suddenly aware that getting back into his friend's good graces would not be a swift or easy task, he decided to do as he was asked and saw himself out. It was early in the afternoon and as his flight to the US was not until the following morning, he decided to hit the hotel bar. With no obvious antidote for his moral well-being, he could at least apply old reliable hair of the dog to the more familiar ailment. And perhaps this method would peripherally appease the other issue, at least for a little while. Zack found a stall at the bar and ordered a club sandwich and three margaritas. After quickly seeing off the first two, 
he advised the bartender to keep them coming. From the corner of the room he could hear a small group of men hollering at a TV. He assumed it was some big sporting event. He swivelled on his stool to see what kind exactly. Oh, Christ, he muttered as he turned around. Heading across the bar in his direction was Val. Some problems were inescapable, he realised, even with the right application of alcohol. Hi, she said glumly. All right, love, Zack frowned as he watched her sit down on the stool next to his. By all means, he said, pull up a pew. She did not seem to detect the sarcasm. Have you spoken to Tom? Yup, Zack replied, taking a large sip from his cocktail glass. He grimaced slightly and his lips curled as he licked away the salty residue on the rim. How did that go? Hmm, about as well as could be expected. Care to tell me what came over you? Val stared at him blankly. You know, to suddenly feel the need to confess. Someone advised me to. What? Zack scowled. Who? It doesn't matter. How is he? He looked like he'd been crying, to be honest. I was going to offer him a tampon. Zack half regretted the snarky comment and blamed the margaritas. He'd already moved into his fourth in the brief few minutes he'd been sat there. This had not gone unnoticed by the slightly bewildered bartender, whose work rate had unexpectedly accelerated. I hope you were nice to him, Val said in the manner of a school teacher. As he dumped you, Zack replied bluntly, countering a judgment. I don't know, I haven't seen him since last night. He refused to get a taxi back from the venue with me. Not a shocking revelation under the circumstances, Zack muttered. Drink? Hmm, yeah, gin and tonic, please. Cool. Zack summoned the bemused bartender and placed the order. Don't take this the wrong way, love. I know it's your day off too, and I wholeheartedly encourage you to drink yourself into a sorry state, as I intend on doing. But I think if Tommy Boy ventures down here and sees us together like this... Is rightfully going to flip his lid. Zack hopped off his stool. His club sandwich had just arrived. He picked this up along with a fresh margarita and turned away from the bar. Stick whatever you want on my tab. So long as you don't take the piss, I'm going to pop a squat on one of those sunbeds out there. Zack didn't wait for his assistant to respond. He marched straight outside and settled on a sunbed under a large parasol before removing his t-shirt After devouring his sandwich and three more margaritas, he reached into his pocket and withdrew his phone. For the Aussie, seeking advice always seemed too much like asking for help. As this was the action he resolved on taking, however, there was only one person's assistance he would accept. She answered after three rings. Good day, Ham said, seemingly in high spirits. Hamster, how the devil are you? Zack replied, feigning a similar level of joviality. Not bad, thanks. Currently convalescing after a mild dose of trauma. Zack laughed strangely, and despite the offhand delivery of the comment, he didn't doubt that she had experienced some kind of disturbing event. With the life the woman seemed to lead, finding herself in harm's way was apparently par for the course. Dare I ask? Best not to, she replied. How are you? Zack was glad that she'd so swiftly moved on. He always felt that offering her advice would be akin to meeting Einstein and giving him his take on an equation the scientist was struggling with. Right-o, I've seen better days myself, if I'm being real. I'm actually seeking some of that gold standard guidance you're known to dish out. Fire away. 
so I may have made a little faux pas a few weeks ago, and it's finally come around to bite me on the arse, as is usually the case. Who do you sleep with now? Zack let out a small chuckle, then gritted his teeth. Right on the money, as always, hamster. Well, he sighed, my PA. Oh, not smart. No, not really, and it goes a bit deeper than that. Turns out she and my tour manager were a thing. Ouch, wait, your friend Tom? Yeah, look, I had no idea they were seeing each other until after the deed was done. Zack didn't know why he sounded so defensive. He knew who he was speaking to. He was justifying it to himself more than anyone. Does he know? Yeah, she told him last night, apparently. Have you spoken to him? I have. He called me into his room to confront me about it. Did you apologise? Yeah, you know me, though, and how well I handle this emotional crap. But you are sorry? Of course. The line went quiet for a moment. Zack was just about to ask if she was still there. Well, you're a writer, aren't you? More of a lyricist, really, but go on. If you're struggling to sound sincere or articulate those well-hidden feelings of yours, why don't you write it down in a letter and slip it under his door? At the very least, he might appreciate the effort. Hmm, he probably would appreciate something like that, soppy git. And then do it. The line went quiet again and he heard her speaking to someone away from the receiver. Zack, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go. Text me or whatever and let me know how you get on. Thanks, Hams. As always, you're a diamond. Zack felt his usual pang of melancholy after the call ended. An indeterminate anguish in disconnecting with one of the most significant people he'd ever let into his life or just a sorrowful reminder of what might have been. Rather pitifully, the singer felt himself tearing up. He cleared his throat. Get a hold of yourself there, big fella. Zack signalled to one of the waitresses passing by the pool. Can I help you, sir, she said in a sultry South American tone. Another couple of margaritas, please, love. And is there any chance you could grab me a piece of paper and a pen? Of course, sir. Thankfully, the waitress soon returned with a whole pad of paper. Before long, Zack was surrounded by a litter of torn-up pages. Screwing one up after another failed attempt. He blamed the multitude of cocktails he'd knocked back since leaving Tom's room. Admittedly, he was struggling to express himself as well as he'd have liked. By the fourth or fifth draft, though, he felt like he'd nailed it. He folded his note in half and triumphantly rose to his unsteady feet. Although confident that the written apology was a good start... It felt like he needed another sweeping gesture. As he walked past a group of men in the corner of the bar, seemingly still celebrating the long-finished basketball game they were invested in earlier, an idea suddenly struck him. Zack took a particular displeasure in watching Yank sports. If they suddenly discontinued every sport other than rugby and Aussie rules, he'd be perfectly content. Conversely, as an American, Tom loved them, and remembering that they'd be heading to his manager's home nation in the morning, Zack had the brainwave of calling up his connections and requesting tickets to any of the big obnoxious events on the evening of their arrival. He couldn't care less which one it was, Tom would be chuffed with any, and as long as there was booze, Zack would be too. He had a handful of contacts able to hook him up, 
from retired and active athletes he'd parted with over the years to powerful magnates who could secure his attendance to literally anything at the drop of a hat. The first two he tried were a bust. A former NBA star he was friendly with was apparently laying low in the midst of betting controversies and the owner of a baseball team informed him there were no games that night. Third time was apparently the charm, however, when media mogul and fellow Aussie Jack Fletcher answered his call. Fletch, how's it going? Zacky, you old boggan, to what do I owe this pleasure? I'll just come out with it, shall I? I'll be landing in Philly tomorrow, and apparently there's one of those seppy football matches happening. Seeing as your ball's deep in that crap, I thought you might be going. The Eagles game? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I am, but I thought you hated all that. Yeah, my mate's been a bit of a suck and I'm trying to build bridges. Jack started laughing. Don't tell me, there's a Sheila involved. Zack screwed up his face. Was he really so predictable? You got me. His friend laughed again. Some things never change. Me and the missus have a box. You want to tag along? If it's no trouble. Does the Pope pull out? Course not, mate. Zack chuckled. Ah, oh, ripper. I'll get my assistant to email you the details right now. You beauty. Zack necked his drink while he and his wealthy friend concluded the call with an exchange of colloquial insults. He stumbled into the restaurant and proceeded to line his stomach at the buffet. From there, he headed towards the business centre. He logged on to his email account and printed out the message he'd received from Fletcher's assistant. Noting that this was a thoroughly nice touch, Zack folded the printout inside his handwritten apology and promptly slid it under his manager's door. The ulterior motive for this token was that, provided he accepted the offer, Tom would also be equipped with the details to manage proceedings thereafter. It was now 9pm. Ordinarily, Zack would be inclined to check out the local nightlife, but seeing as his only travelling friend and drinking companion was not speaking to him, he decided to drunkenly lift weights at the hotel gym instead. It wasn't the most productive of sessions. In his condition, avoiding an injury was a small miracle in itself. He called it quits after an hour and retired to his room. Lying in his bed, flicking between the limited English-speaking channels on the TV, Zack was left with little else to do than continue drinking and reflect on his loneliness. In the tabloids, he was lauded as one of the last true rock stars. His outrageous antics were widely romanticised, and his proponents seemed to commend his will to keep the party going despite his advancing years. Sometimes he questioned whether anyone truly envied his carefree lifestyle marvelling that they couldn't see through the facade. He wondered what they'd make of him now, alone in his room, hoping above all else that he'd not permanently alienated one of the only people he actually cared about. Four whiskies and three sleeping pills later, he was out for the count. Zack woke up around ten hours later to the sound of determined knocking. He yelled, I'm coming, and opened the door in his boxes. Tom was standing on the other side, dressed in a shirt and blazer. Did you not hear your phone? he said. We've got to be at the airport in an hour. No danger, he replied. I'll pack up my stuff. Tom lingered by the door. Can I come in? he asked. Zack nodded, moving aside to let his friend enter. I read your letter. Zack's cheeks flushed with a faint redness which he hoped wasn't noticeable. He'd momentarily forgotten about the note. The intoxicated person who'd penned it felt like a different person now. 
I know that must have taken a lot, Tom said solemnly. Zack shrugged in overcompensation. Anna spoke to Val again. She confirmed that you didn't know until after you, well, you know. Honestly, I didn't. I believe you, Tom nodded. I let out a long sigh. Let's just forget about it, okay? Zack felt an involuntary smile spread across his face. This was followed by a small twinge of discomfort. He abruptly looked away from his friend, stopping his bottom lip from quivering and his eyes from tearing up. Good to hear, pal, he muttered after a sharp inhale. Anyway, piss off, would you? I need to shower and get ready. So, Tom suddenly grinned, we're going to an Eagles game tonight. Yeah, if you're up for it. I can't believe you remembered they were my team. I've only mentioned it a couple of times. Oh, of course I remembered. You're my pal. What a stroke of luck, he thought. Settling down in the first-class cabin, Zack groaned at the discovery that the flight to Philadelphia was over eight hours in duration and that they'd only lose an hour with the time difference. Why is it still called America if it's so bloody far away? he asked. Tom laughed. It's okay. We should land in good time for the game, but we'll have to drive straight from there to Philadelphia International and we'll also need to get changed on here. They tackled this particular task an hour before landing. Christ, you really are a fan, aren't you? Zack said when Tom returned from the bathroom in a Philadelphia Eagles jersey. Oh yeah, Tom asserted. Good, you can tell me when I'm supposed to cheer. When they disembarked, Zack exchanged hollow pleasantries with Val and the session musicians, though they'd all arrived on the same plane. It was in their contract that they always travelled in coach. The new tour bus was already waiting outside. Tom had arranged for the luggage to be sent over separately to save time. When he checked under his pillow, Zack was glad to see that his close protection officer, Claude, had left him a little white gift. The hawking guard was on duty tonight, and he'd thank him later. Despite being in close proximity for the journey, the Aussie and his newly reunited friend had said very little to one another. Zack spent much of the flight trying to snooze away his hangover. It wasn't until they were on the tour bus that he decided to engage in a proper conversation. So things look pretty icy with Val back there, he said, opening the two bottles of beer he'd taken from the fridge. Yeah, Tom said, his eyes downcast. You giving her the boot? I think so. You sure that's the right call? Zack tentatively probed, handing the man his beer. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Working relationships are always a bit sketchy. Besides, how can I ever trust her again? Ah, you're talking to the wrong guy. Granted, I've not had a ton, but in every relationship I've been in, I always assume the chick is banging other guys. Tom frowned. You're serious? Of course. I mean, if I'm going around slinging it about the way I do, how can I not expect them to do the same? Just take the relevant precautions and don't give me anything. That's my motto. Oof, that's... Quite mature of you, actually, Tom said, apparently digesting the information. Monogamy has never interested you. You must be bonkers. Think I could go all this time on tour without dipping my wick? Is that why you never worked out with the girl you told me about, the one that got away? No, actually that was different. I'd have done anything for her. The only Sheila I was ever faithful to. Wow. Tom shook his head and smiled. You're a peculiar dude. You know that, Zach. Yeah, yeah. Zack quickly saw off his beer. Listen, help yourself to more cold ones. I'm moving on to the hard stuff. He stood up and opened a bottle of bourbon. Tom frowned. 
We'll be there in less than 15 minutes. And don't I know it, if I'm going to enjoy this, I'll need to be blitzed. When they arrived at the arena, Zack was well on course to fulfilling his wish. Luckily, he had Tom in tow to direct them to the executive boxers. From here, he phoned his entrepreneurial friend and a marshal came down to escort them inside. Claude and Jerome were instructed to stand outside the door. While the suite was smaller than it expected, thankfully, it was well equipped with alcohol. One of the walls was adorned with a huge print of some unfamiliar player and the table was decked with a fine assortment of whiskey, rum and brandy. Sacky boy, Fletch hollered as the two of them approached. Jack Fletcher was a tall, slightly overweight gentleman in his early forties with a crooked smile. He had short brown hair, mottled with grey and a prominent widow's peak. Come here, you drongo. G'day, big fella, Zack yelled before embracing him. Fletch released him and called over a stunning Polynesian woman in a tight black dress, at least ten years his junior. You've met Safina before, haven't you? Yeah, a couple of times. How are you, Seffy? Now watch yourself, Zack, Fletch interjected. She doesn't even let me call her that. It's okay, Safina said with a smile. Zack is allowed. Is that right? The waiter businessman gave her the side eye. I'm keeping you pair away from each other. He let out a booming laugh and turned to Tom. Ah, I see you brought a real fan with you. Zack regarded the married couple for a moment, despite his friend's overly upbeat demeanour. He thought he sensed some tension between the pair. Yeah, this is Tom. Tom, everyone. Pleasure to meet you, Tom said. Now I hear Zack's been fooling around with your bird. Fletch, Zack growled. I'm only messing. You've got to be careful with this old dog, though. Need to make sure he's in his kennel at night if you catch my drift. Jesus, Fletch, I thought I was half caught. How much have you drunk? The millionaire chuckled and gave him a wink. You know me, mate. Work hard, play harder, which reminds me. Help yourself to drinks. Beers are in the fridge. Zack mouthed sorry to Tom as Zack and his partner turned to the other people in the room. Fortunately, his manager seemed to have taken it well. He rolled his eyes and smiled. After becoming acquainted with Fletcher's business associates Sandra and Oscar, Zack and his manager grabbed beers from the fridge and piled canapes onto two plates. When the game was underway, all six guests positioned themselves along the table facing the huge glass divide. Tom and Sandra sat next to each other at one end. Evidently, she was as big of an Eagles fan as he was and they were soon heatedly discussing tactics and statistics. This left Zack and Fletch to chat at the other end, while Oscar and Safina sat in awkward silence in the middle. Mind if I rack up a line? Zack muttered to Fletch under his breath. Now go ahead, Fletch replied quietly. Zack reached into his pocket and his friend tapped him on the arm. In the dunny though, please, mate. Ah, no worries. Just as Zack went to walk off, his friend put an arm across his shoulder and pulled him close, whispering in his ear. Leave me one in there. Zack laughed. Sure thing. After powdering his nose, Zack returned to the table. Left you a slug on the seat, he mumbled. Champion, Zack replied, rising to his feet. Safina rose at the same time, however, and Fletcher's face flushed red. Zack observed the man's panic with mild amusement. Sorry, love, Fletch yelped. I'm going to wet myself. He pushed past his wife and hurried into the toilet. Ugh, such a pig, Safina muttered, sitting back down. 
I uh, don't mean to pry, love, but is everything all right between you two? Zack asked in a low voice. Safina sighed. We're okay. It's just... Jack was such a romantic when we first got together. I'm already starting to suspect that that part of our lives might be over. Ah, I'm sure that's not the case. Maybe you're just going through a tricky spell. Woefully unequipped for offering relationship advice as he was, the musician breathed a sigh of relief when he noticed his friend returning from the bathroom. Perhaps, the woman conceded before leaving the table. Fletch slumped down next to Zack, his expression was markedly more animated than before. Christ, Zacky, you weren't lying about that line. You trying to give me a heart attack? I just left it there, mate. No one forced you to stick it up your nose. Fair point well made. So, Zack smirked, sounds like you're in the doghouse at the moment. Oh God, what's she been saying to you? Fletch sighed. She hasn't shut up about this damn Barbados trip. I'd have been a bonnet about it for days. Barbados? Yeah, we're going there with the group on Wednesday to celebrate one year since we tied the knot. It's where we said our vows, you see. And what's the issue? So she wanted us to have our anniversary meal at the wedding venue, but it's booked out. So what? Fletch withdrew his eyes from the football field to frown at Zack. You've been cranking up your amps too high on stage. I said it's booked out. Some other wedding is happening there that night. I heard you perfectly fine, numbnuts. Just pay the hotel off. What the hell is the point of being Mr Moneybags if you can't throw it around from time to time and make the missus happy? Fletch rolled his eyes. You can't just chuck cash at every problem, you know. Zack grinned. Sure you can. Well, I'm pretty sure you can when you have enough of it. I'd end up paying for the venue and for the other couple's bloody wedding. That's if they even go for it. And? Never been much of a businessman, have you, Zack? Fletch smirked. Never been a poor old married sap either, but I've heard one depressing phrase chucked around enough. Happy wife, happy life. Fletch leant back in his chair and ran a hand over his retreating airline. You know what, mate? I think you might be right. He let out a small groan. I'll give them a ring tomorrow, Arvo. Had a boy, Zack slapped the man's meaty shoulder. Don't take no for an answer. Safina returned from the bathroom moments later, just as Tom and Sandra leapt to their feet, roaring in approval at something on the field. Zack glanced at the scoreboard with relative disinterest to note that the Eagles were now ahead by 12 points. He considered how thoroughly wasted this experience was on him. At least his friend was enjoying it. That was the entire purpose, after all. After taking a second line in the bathroom, Fletch decided he'd had enough, or as Zack suspected, he didn't want his wife catching on. It's no fun on my own, Zack grumbled, and reluctantly curtailed his own subsequent bathroom visits. I don't know why you lot enjoy this, he said down in a glass of whiskey. He'd applied his best effort at watching the game for a solid ten minutes, soon deciding that Tom and his new lady friend were a more enjoyable spectacle to pay attention to. When full time was called, a painful three hours and fifteen minutes after kick-off, the pair were intently recapping their favourite moments. Sandra was perhaps five years older than Tom. Although she seemed a bit too straight-laced for his own tastes, she was undeniably attractive, and she was apparently hanging off his manager's every word. She giggled, played with her hair and touched his arm at every opportunity. Looks like my lad's in there, he commented to Fletch, who nodded in agreement. As everyone other than Tom and Zack had an early start in the morning, by midnight the party was brought to a somewhat abrupt conclusion.
Get a number? Zack asked his manager as they were departing. Tom rolled his eyes. No. Wuss. You know, Zack, not everyone shares your goldfish level of relationship amnesia. More like not everyone shares my stallion level of nerve. Pony up, pal, or I might have a crack myself. He glanced back at the executive box and Tom gave him a look that questioned whether he was joking. If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode. Bye.